the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to another episode of Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Every Saturday night at 6 p.m. here on AM 1280 The Patriot, we invite you to come along with us. K-12 education is the playing field, and as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so rightly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. As always, I want to turn to my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, where tonight again we're going to take a part two look, a detailed look at the education legislation that comprised the education omnibus bill that passed in the Minnesota Senate. And we also want to continue to discuss the the 2001 legislative session, mm-hmm. uh, which, as we mentioned earlier, they adjourned on May the 17th. But details surrounding the budget funding still are being ironed out during this special session here in the month of June. And so after a year that saw tremendous learning losses in schools across the nation, We want to discuss what education legislation will look like in Minnesota moving forward and beyond this COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And here tonight to break down the specifics pertaining to the Senate's education omnibus bill is Minnesota State Senator Roger Chamberlain of Lionel Lakes. And Senator Chamberlain represents District 38 and also serves as the chair of the Senate's Education, Finance and Policy Committee. He's been a guest on Education America many times in the past to discuss education legislation in the Minnesota legislature. Senator Chamberlain, again, we want to thank you for joining us on Education America. Pleasure. Thank you. Well, we're going to leave off uh, where we uh, did last time. Um, And we want to uh, talk about how in November of 2020, it was Governor Waltz and Lieutenant Governor uh, Peggy Flanagan announcing that $3 million of federal funds from the Coronavirus Relief Fund would go towards mental health services for children and families uh, affected during the COVID uh, pandemic. And the recipients of these funds included school-linked mental health programs and the Minnesota Department of Education, which helped administer these funds. And the Republican Education Bill prioritizes the bipartisan issue of mental health support. So tell us how funding in this bill would help in the arena of student mental health? Well, just to back up for a second, you know, we had the simple plan, and then in that simple plan, which was the vision, the we had the, we broke it down into priorities that fit into that. We had five areas we wanted to address, kids in school, mm-hmm. literacy, teachers of color, mental health, 
fair funding and school choice with ESAs. So this was one of uh, one of those areas. We talked about teachers of color. We've talked about ESAs. We've talked about literacy. So this is another piece of that priority was mental health. Kids' mental health was is always uh, an issue. But before COVID, it was getting worse because of social media. Mm-hmm. Right. There mm-hmm. is no doubt in anybody's mind, should be no doubt, social media is coercive and having an incredibly negative impact on our children's lives and in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then COVID, so you pile on to that with the isolation, more screen time mm-hmm. for the kids, and the extra stress and issues dealing with not being with friends and the mask and everything else, right? Yeah. So the mental health issues we dealt with in several ways. Some you can't you can't afford. We don't have enough people to put in every school. We can't afford to. We don't have enough people licensed to get in every school. Psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, certified mental health workers. We don't. So we had to find other ways. And by the way, NAMI doesn't really necessarily say we need all those things. So first we did digital well-being. We got a we got a grant proposal in our bill for digital well-being to go to live more, screen less to start broadening out awareness, uh, interventions, education about the pros and cons of social media, digital well-being in total, and how to address it and help out schools. Secondly, we have a suicide prevention. This is one of our mandates, a lot, getting suicide prevention training for our cl- educators in the classroom. Mm-hmm. We agree with the House on that, or they agree with us. Finally, a place that there's agreement. agreement yes. right. But they don't agree with the digital well-being. What? Had a, had a dust-up with them today. Really? So uh, huh. digital well-being, number one. Suicide prevention training, number two. Though digital well-being is not a mandate, the suicide prevention training is. Safe schools money. We increase, we dramatically increase safe schools money in our proposal, dramatically. And it would go to help out... Um, Intermediate district schools that you, that handle uh, more uh, difficult cases and kids. And in there, they could also use that money for mental health issues, right? Mm-hmm. We also have some simple clarifying language we're willing to accept to make it clear that if the schools are going to do mental health training, that they use uh, evidence-based stuff that has been uh, put out there by the Department of Education. So a lot of pieces come together to get at the root and the heart of the problem. First, kids back in school, full-time, no mask. Mm-hmm. Digital well-being, address that issue. Safe schools, they got money in there to address, hire counselors or whatever they want. And then uh, suicide prevention and some clarifying language. So a bunch of little things to to help out, but I think they have tremendous impact on the backside. Because we can't, we don't have enough people to put in the schools for psychology and right. psychiatry. And if they just reopened the schools, that would make a big, huge difference. Well, right. That was uh, number one, right? That's number right. One, they need all this extra money for mental health. Yes. Um, just curious it. if reopening the schools without masks is one of the elements of this. Are you getting pushback on that from the Democrats? Well, they haven't said much about it, but I've been pretty clear, and most of us have been pretty clear from the beginning, in January, that all kids need to be back in school full time mm-hmm. because that's, that's how they learn best. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. what the science said they could. Right, all over the world they were doing it. Mm-hmm. They're doing it across the borders here, and they're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that was number one, but they really haven't been pushing back a whole lot or arguing about it a whole lot. So um, maybe their silence means that they're okay with it, or they 
just don't want to make any more noise because they know it's a really, really sensitive subject. Yes, it sure is. Mm-hmm. Let them learn Minnesota. Um, yep. If people are curious, they can hear more about how parents yep. are feeling about their shutdown schools Let them and learn. the effect. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a few other ones, Let too. Them Let, them Let, Let them play. Let them play is Let another one. Yep. Yeah. You can find them out there in social media land. Yep. <laughs> social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the COVID pandemic and the subsequent school shutdowns imposed by Governor Walls across the state led to a learning loss that may very well be irretrievable. I've seen quite a bit of research on this, and it's very concerning. And, of course, um, the very kids that are are struggling the most with um, education and low test scores are being most affected by these shutdowns. So that makes it even more of an impact. And the Republican education bill prioritizes helping students, families, and teachers attempt to recover from learning loss. How does the funding in the bill help schools and families recover from that learning loss? Well, uh, several things. One is we listened to the educators. They said, no new mandates, no new costs. Give us a break. We don't want to do any of this new stuff Mm -hmm. this next year. We need to allow them. We need to catch our breath and catch up. Mm -hmm. We need the money to do it, and our kids need to catch up, right? So first, no mandates, a uh, break and no mandates. Um, expanding local control, right? Mm-hmm. Allowing them more flexibility to innovate and accommodate the needs of their families and communities. Distance learning and innovation zones and different things that they could use um, along those lines. Um, mental health stuff, as I mentioned previously in the previous question, that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the funding we put in there. For that, fair funding in our bill, uh, we decided to do classroom aid based on pupils, and that comes out with significant dollars per pupil, fair funding for all districts and all schools. And that's above and beyond what they would typically get. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And okay. remember, they got $2.6 billion in these right. schools right. in the last Money year. is not the issue. Right. <laughs> and they, in that money, they use money there for to do some summer school stuff. So those things... But they need a break. They need some time to breathe and flexibility. Uh, they learned a lot during this shutdown, just like I'm sure all of you did. So letting them do that, letting them continue to grow and meet the needs the best they can and driving forward with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Good. That's good. Well, in addition to empowering families through the education savings accounts, the bill's funding would also empower local schools. You just alluded to that a little bit. Uh, Specifically, the funding would give schools the flexibility to better serve students' personal needs. You know, explain for a little bit here the additional teaching formats that schools would be able to offer as a result of the bills expanding the definition of student instruction. So we listened to uh, educators from different areas in the state, and one of the things they were, they talked about a couple things. Obviously, during COVID and the shutdowns, a lot of kids went to distance learning, remote, call which one, distance, remote, e-learning, mm-hmm. online learning, whatever you want to call it. And they had to ramp up and figure that out fairly quickly. Uh, now that they have that, some parents are going to want to continue that because some kids do okay in that mm-hmm. environment. Some do not. We want to get some parameters around it. But we already have ability for parents and families to do online learning in the state of Minnesota. Right. Right. There's the online academy that's been around for quite a while. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing new. So we decided to take the advice and the input from these districts and these educators, say we're going to let you do this. So we put it in statute. They did not. What we did was eliminate a lot of what we did was eliminate the need of these schools to get 
permission from the department. Several areas, that was one of the key things. You don't have to go to the department to get permission for this. Innovate, create, do what you need to do within your budget to help your kids and serve your families and your community. It's really that simple. Now, the teachers' union is, again, pushing back on distance learning. Mm. Oh, we can't. The teachers' union, not educators, the teachers' union is saying, well, we can't do this. They want the state to be their bargaining unit. They want us to bargain for them. Mm-hmm. They don't want this to happen. And, okay, now this is very interesting because they're the very ones that have forced everybody online. But yet they are now resisting your your proposal that these districts would have the opportunity to create their own kind of formalized distance ed program mm-hmm. for those families that would seek to continue in that manner. So what we want to do is we said, look, the governor in his executive order said uh, one-year distance learning, you can use that for whatever. We have limits on it right now. So we said two things. One, it, well, basically we just said, let's continue that. Let's mm-hmm. continue that for one more year and see how it goes. Let the districts do as they've been doing and give them that flexibility if they want to do it. Let them continue doing that. Teachers Union says they don't want to, <laughs> and the Democrats aren't letting us move forward with it. We said, okay, let's do this for one year, and you can still have your working group to look at it. No, nope, they still aren't moving. They, they do yet. not want choices of any kind. They want complete and total control, control of every aspect of your life, of your child's life. They want full-service community schools where they get them as soon as they're born and haul them off to the government camp to start getting getting the nursing they need. Their indoctrination. So yes. uh, e-learning, distance learning, flexibility, innovation zones, uh, allowing the districts to do what they want. They asked for it. We said, sure, let's do it, and let's give you that flexibility, and we're getting a lot of pushback on all levels. Mm. Yeah, I you know, I really the, – the hypocrisy is just so blatant. I wish – I wish that um, those who are in the media would be more willing to take a look at all of this and what is best for kids and be willing to do some investigative, some true old-fashioned investigative reporting and um, expose some of this hypocrisy. It would be nice, you know, maybe in our lifetime. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how bad it has to get before before that happens. I I, I shudder to think of how bad it has to get. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some of the other notable items that can be found in the funding of the Republican-backed education bill that you kind of mentioned before, are there some other details that you'd like to share with us about those um, notable pieces of funding. Yeah, so, you know, I mentioned we have the simple thing again, and then under that we had six categories, and we talked about several of those. And part of it is fair funding, right? That's classroom aid. That's referendum equalization for poor okay. property wealth districts. Okay, why don't you explain that a little sure. bit more? Sure, so different, each district district's different for property wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, I use YZ or Minnetonka, a lot of property wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can raise operating referenda, they can pass a levy that raises their operating dollars a lot easier because they don't, and they get they get state support, right? It's easier for them to do it. They got enough money, they pass it. Hmm. In poorer property wealth districts, it's much harder to get those things passed because of the property wealth. So pro- referendum equalization is more like property tax relief. Hmm. And not enabling these districts to get more funds and operate more easily. 
Hmm. So it's Ike Property Tax Relief. And that has been districts like ISD 12 I mentioned earlier. They need this. A lot of districts across the state need this. Not every district qualifies. Boisetta and Minnetonka won't qualify. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we came up with a formula a couple years ago that focused and concentrated on these districts and uh, to equalize that. That's meaningful relief for these districts. The class, excuse me, the classroom aid is meaningful one-time money to help buffer that loss of those districts that did not get as much money as Minneapolis St. Paul, for example. Minneapolis St. Paul got almost seventy-eight hundred bucks per kid. The average is well below two thousand or three thousand per wow. kid through all those federal dollars. At two point six billion, yeah. Minneapolis St. Paul got about Minneapolis got what. Two seventy million and St. Paul roughly the same two hundred seventy million. Wow. Most districts got much less than that. That's a lot so of this money. classroom aid would do that. Referendum equalization mm-hmm. classroom aid uh, per pupil, uh, a reduction in the Department of Education budget, and like I said, property tax relief. And we already talked about suicide prevention and mm-hmm. you know, digital well-being and mental health. A lot of concentrated things in there that don't seem like a lot. But are very meaningful and have, you know, I think tremendous impacts on the outside. Mm-hmm. Most people agree. So those are other pieces that were in that, uh, you know, recovery and relief reform to the extent that we can get it, not pushing mandates and giving them a break. So, mm-hmm. so before you go into your next question uh-huh. with him, Mark, would you be able to explain? briefly for our audience, how the funding actually gets um, spread throughout the state. Because there's a little bit of federal, there's more state, and then there's some local, correct? Right. And do you, do you, are you able to really describe for our listeners how that money gets distributed? So we got a lot of different buckets, a lot of different channels, three main channels, what you said. We have federal money, which isn't a lot. We have state money, which is the most of it. And then we have local property tax stuff. So the the pro- local property tax is 23, between 22 and 25 percent. Okay. Then the state portion is almost 72, 73 percent of the federal make up the difference. And the last biennium, those three components made up. Just right around thirty billion dollars. Wow! Two years, thirty billion. Wow! Wow! Two years, thirty billion. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So 15, don't ever say that we don't fully fund year. schools. And this last year, they pumped in two point six billion of federal money for all kinds of stuff. Above and beyond. Yes, above and beyond. Mm-hmm. So they got thirty-two point six billion, wow. and uh, in the total in the two years, and um, that'll go up, of course, again in this next year. So how is it distributed? There are formulas. Title I uh, schools, for example, depends on concentrations of poverty and several other things. Mm-hmm. Then you get more money per pupil if you got more poverty, more concentration, and different things like that, compensatory stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the money gets sent to the to – the, uh, the local money stays – I think the, what they do with the local money is they – I think it stays in the district, right, and they do what they want with it. Mm-hmm. They get out of get approval. We set levy targets. They can't exceed them. And then they raise the levy, they pass, they pass the levy, and right now they can pass half the levy without going to a vote. So those three mainstreams usually distributed either locally or the other dollars go to the Department of Education, hmm. and then we, uh, they send it out to the schools based on formulas that I previously mentioned and, mm-hmm. and other grants that are out there as well. Okay. 
And 75% of the money goes to the schools from the state is about 74%, 73%, whatever, somewhere in there, is the basic formula money. Okay. And then there's a huge chunk for special ed and then incent- the literacy incentive and some other big components. Hmm. And then there's a hand, there's a bunch of one-liners, one-timers, and smaller amounts. And isn't it true education makes up about what? 42% give of our whole state budget. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. It's a ton. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to find some relief, recovery, reform, actually listening to the people out there and saying we're going to do what we can and provide what we can for you. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. here we are. It's big business. It is. And yeah. if you know, we've talked on this program in the past about the Page Kashkari Amendment. If that were mm-hmm. to go through, just goodbye. think of what the increase would be right. on spending Good, for Goodbye, education. goodbye, education yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at uh, I think it's New Jersey where something similar yes. passed. Be a good place for our listeners to go do some research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, again, as we've mentioned, the legislative session it did adjourn on May the seventeenth. It was reported that that lawmakers reached an agreement on an overall uh, budget bill, and it's been hailed as a win for both sides of the aisle. But a special session will be needed in the middle of this month. Um, are constituents across the state, are they still encouraged to make their voices heard on the issues affecting education funding with the representatives before the session commences in a few weeks to finalize the, the budget bill? Well, it's it's a mixed bag, right? Um, I, To an extent, yeah, but mostly what I hear from is what we hear from is lobbyists at this point. Sure. They want their money. They want their stuff. They want their piece of the pie. They want to take it back to their, to their, to their employers, right, mm-hmm. to their clients. So we hear a lot of that. Yes, constituents are concerned about kids and their funding for the schools. Very important to them. But, you know, look, a lot of folks are just busy with their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, especially after the last year we've had, they want to get on with stuff. They want to get to the cabin. Summer's here. They want to forget about some of this stuff and get back to normal. I use the trapper. I use a, I, I'll use the pub test. <laughs> I ask my colleagues, Take that question into the pub and see what you get. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> and I guarantee you, those hardworking people that want to get on with their lives and get back to normal, you know, they're not in the minutiae here. Mm-hmm. And as you are aware, activating people and getting the word out is very hard. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Because people are busy with their lives. And it's yeah. very hard to get them activated and take on those challenges, just the way it is, just the way it is. But they're busy and they're hard workers, and they, it's hard to get them on there. But the only way we're going to get political change, I tell people now, is you got to be heard. they got to know that you want change. Mm-hmm. they got to know that you are not going to just accept the status quo anymore. Mm-hmm. It's got to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that is the hope. It's hard work. And people ask all the time, well, what can we do? What can we do? There's a lot of things you can do right now because there's a lot of things threatening our schools in your district. Go check what your district's doing. Yes. Go check what your district's doing. And if you're not satisfied, fight for your kids. Mm -hmm. Fight for your kids because this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. Forget about the tax fight. Fight for your kids. Yeah. Fight for your kids. Fight for them. It's the noble right thing to do right now. After this last year, you should be perfectly clear about what that is all about. And they've been exposed a lot of uh, schools have been exposed for their corruption and what they're doing and not doing to our educators, for our educators, and for our kids. Mm-hmm. So I'll, 
That was a long answer. No, that's okay. It's it's so important. You're passionate, and that's important for people to hear. And when you say fight for your kids, there's a lot of things they can be fighting for. There is the school choice legislation, the ESAs, and um, there is the critical race theory, you know, fighting back against that. Uh, So many people are opposed to that. And it is happening in virtually every school district across America, I think. Um, Social studies standards right here in Minnesota – uh, those are being rewritten right now, and the new proposed standards are very different from the ones that we had prior. I just received an email from the MDE saying they were going to add some revisions to their science standards as well. And uh, I'm sure math is going to be close behind. So we have the Page Amendment. So there are so many things affecting education Cruz, right Cruz now. Cruz-Guzman lawsuit. Cruz-Guzman lawsuit. Yes, that's a huge one. And I see that they're trying to settle that now. And They won't settle it without the Senate. We're not settling. Good. I'm so glad to hear you say that you're staying firm on that one, Nelson's Roger. going to have to do his job. Yeah, that's good. Good for you. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, I wanted to share at the end here, as we're talking about constituents uh, making their voices heard, um, when we had the um, group of people that went to the governor's mansion, there was, uh, I don't know, about 100 people there trying to speak their voice for school choice and for education savings accounts. Uh, There were some fifth grade students at our school at Liberty that had written letters to Governor Tim Walls requesting school choice. And um, I thought it would be appropriate for us to read some of these sweet letters. And these are from fifth graders. And one student writes, I'm a fifth grade student. Um, and I go to Liberty Classical Academy, I have had in-person teaching, and we didn't have a lot of cases. Um, I am able to see my friends, but I was not able to see my friends on online school. And online school is very distracting. You don't learn a lot on online school, and you can go on to YouTube and not pay attention to the teacher. Um, My family has made a lot of sacrifices to send me to this school. I have a very excellent education here. I am very thankful I can go to the school, and it's very hard to do online. There are three billion distractions, and hybrid, don't even get me started. <laughs> Sincerely, uh, this boy's name is Colin, and I just thought, what a what an ap- apropos statement, and you can't really say it better than that, right? Mm-hmm. Don't even get me started. Um, another student, I won't read the whole letter, says, um, Um, Online learning was hard for me because when you're staring at a screen for five hours a day, it hurts your eyes. Also, I was not able to see my friends very often. It was very hard to focus. Online learning has a lot of disadvantages and was miserable. Um, Another student, I'll, I'll maybe just finish up with this one, says... Um, I'm a fifth grade student that attends Liberty Classical Academy in White Bear Lake. I was a distance learning. My learning was hindered, and I was grateful when we came back to in-person learning. Um, I'm grateful because I can see my great teachers and friends again. I'm thankful that my mom and dad have a choice to go to my school that they that they wish. But unfortunately, my family makes great sacrifices to send me to this school. Currently, Minnesota lawmakers are um, debating ESAs and I'm, I'm cutting this short because we're running out of time. And he's asking for them to consider passing these ESA accounts so that other people can do um, private school. So the overwhelming statements that you get from these kids is they hate it online and they're so glad to be in person. And we need to be able to provide that opportunity for 
all kids, and parents should be able to choose what works best for their families. Uh, just a, a notation about the special session. When will that be taking place this month? Well, if he wants to keep emergency powers, you got to bring us back in on the 13th or 14th. Okay. Because we had to be in session for him to do it. It's, uh, you know, just procedural stuff. Okay. So that that would be the target if we were to have agreements to do it then. If not, I, we our goals to be done. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We shall stay tuned to what transpires with the special session. And, of course, when the details become official with what education funding would uh, look like uh, for the next uh, year here, we'd like to have you back on the program, Senator, to uh, break that down for us. Love to. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for so being much. with us. Thank you. You two are wonderful. Thank you. Well, and you. Same goes for you. Thank you so much. We yes. will see you next week. Next week. AM 1280, The Patriot.